have compassion for everyone you meet, even if they don't want it. What seems like bad manners or cynicism is always a sign of things no eyes have seen or ears have heard. You don't know what wars are going on down where the spirit meets the bone. But ring the bell that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Have you ever been to a play or a musical and your seat was in the way, way back? Seeing some head nods. I mean top deck, last 10 rows of the Ohio Theater. See the actors only just enough to distinguish them from others and you miss out on all the facial expressions that those in the front get to enjoy. I have sat in a lot of back rows, following the dots, but only just noticing the person's face to stay in the story. Now many of you, uh, out of all those who said yes, how many of you have brought binoculars when you've gone to these shows? I'm seeing some hands go up. It's different, right? When you look at them through the binoculars and up close. And I can remember going to watch my cousin in her high school production of South Pacific. And we sat in the back and we watched her do really well. At the end of the performance, the cast was waiting in the lobby, but my cousin was nowhere to be found. Until I realized that she was right in front of me, but her makeup was so heavy and aggressive that I did not realize that it was my cousin in front of me. Thick eyeliner, bright colors on her cheeks, which probably helped me at a distance, but up close, I didn't know who it was. It was shocking to see that kind of transformation. This morning in our scripture passage, we may be shocked as well from the images that John the Baptist gives us. You see, you see John the Baptist is drawing in these large crowds to the wilderness with this single message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And we have talked about that word before, repent, the Greek word metanoia, which means to turn, to turn toward the kingdom of heaven. But turning toward God also indicated one that desires a deeper relationship with God. However, this day, John is distracted and irritated when he witnesses members of two different Jewish groups, the Pharisees and Sadducees, watching the baptisms on the bank of the Jordan. And we can imagine these two competing groups act similar to religious denominations today that often are judgmental, can often be tribal, and can often be exclusive. And so John comes out swinging, calling them brood of vipers and accusing them of living a faith that does not produce fruit worthy of showing they want to be in relationship with God. And in dramatic fashion, John gives them three images to think about. Each of the three reveal what must happen for them to truly repent. The first is an axe lying at the bottom of a tree 
If a tree does not bear good fruit, John says it must be chopped down. The second refers to the one coming after John who will baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will collect the wheat and he will burn the leftovers, the chafe. And then the third image may not be so shocking to us since it is a sacrament in our faith, but John meant to communicate the same thing, to be baptized under the water, to die, to, to die a spiritual death and rise with God. Three shocking images, a fruitless tree chopped down, inedible parts of crops incinerated, and parts of us that neither build up the kingdom or make us whole are left to drown. For us to be truly with God, for us to fully embrace God's kingdom, John announces a turning not only to God, but to our truest selves. All three images reveal that the kingdom of God requires us to let go of a part of ourselves, not to give up who we are, but to become who we really are, who God created us to be. This is the person God desires to be in relationship with. And it also prepares us for what it means to live God's justice and love. But part of us has to die for us to truly live with God. I know that's a lot. So I want to ask you a question. Have you ever looked in a mirror... Or had a moment in your life where you thought, who am I? What am I doing? What do I want to get out of this life? And if you haven't, I wouldn't want to say, count yourself lucky. I will say, be prepared. Because throughout our lives, we, we try to fill that meaning with different things, with titles and positions, but they all seem to fall short of who we really are. In fact, any title or position you over-identify with is a giveaway that you do not know who you really are. I am a teacher. I am a business owner. I am a student. That may be what you do, but that is not who you are. I have a master's degree. People address me as Dr. So-and-so. I'm principal. I am reverend. I have to tell you that people closest to me laugh when they realize that I'm a reverend. <laughs> because they know that I am more than that. And then they like to often tell stories that remind me that I am fully and undeniably human. I need that. We all need that breakdown because our titles, no matter what, fall short of who we really are. Even those titles we hold most dear, like grandma or grandpa, father, mother, son, sibling. All describing a relationship with someone does not define exactly who we are. Sometimes we let our mistakes define who we are 
or we let the mistakes of others define who they are. We define ourselves by what we have done wrong or how we have come up short. But again, all of these do not define who we are and whose we are. The reason John creates such a commotion over the Pharisees and Sadducees is because they identify more with their group, the success of their group, the power and privilege of their tribe than living that truest self. In whatever form, either in politics, economics, social groups, in religion, this type of group exceptionalism us versus them, is incapable of producing fruit for the kingdom of heaven. It is incapable of living in true union with God. That is, until the axe chops down that tree, the chafe is burned, or our self-absorbed ego is drowned, or our friends tell us stories that remind us we are human. John prepares the way of the Lord by telling people to change now. Repent now. Begin living the kingdom of heaven now. Don't wait for the inevitable when you will have an identity crisis, when you don't have that job, when you lose someone close to you, when you lose your ability to use your body, when your finances are empty or leave you feeling empty, when you learn that this country you blindly uphold is guilty of perpetuating human atrocities, when you realize that being a Pharisee or Sadducee or Republican or Democrat or Christian or your race, gender, sexuality, it's not who you are. Don't wait to learn this the moment after your final breath. So who are you? You are a child of God. You are a beloved child of God. And it takes nothing extra. No makeup, no filters, no qualifiers. God loves you. When Jesus repents below the water, he breaks the surface to find God's spirit descending like a dove. And a voice says, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus becomes the Christ, God's anointed, not because he walks around glowing brighter than everyone else, but because he lives his truth that God has placed God's self not only in him, but in each person he meets. The widow, the orphan, the tax collectors, even the Pharisees and Sadducees all bear the image of God. And the fruit of the kingdom of God is living that reality. So wash and become who you really are. Wash and know that you have always and will be enough. Wash and know each person you meet is God's very own child. Amen and amen.